Judges chapter 2, verse 6. Now, this is when Joshua passes away. Judges chapter 2, verse 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So Joshua passes away, all the elders pass away. Now these are the people that seen the Red Sea part. Some of these have seen God carry them through the wilderness for 40 years and, and, and let them survive and, and provided manna and all the stuff, the water out of a rock. All these miracles and, and the falling of Jericho. Joshua was a part of all of that. And then when they crossed over the Jordan, they, the, the water parted at that time. And they crossed over the, the, the river Jordan. So there was a lot of miracles that Israel had seen. And, and Joshua and the elders had seen. Now they're passing away. There in verse 7, the Bible tells us they're passing away. Verse 8, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath, here is, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. Verse 10 is where I want to start focusing on this morning. And also, all that generation were gathered under their fathers. So there was a generation that had seen all those miracles, and now they've gone on to be with the Lord. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And this morning I want to focus on the other generation. Another generation. And that generation I want to focus on is this generation. This generation we're living in right this moment. So we're going to talk about this generation. Another generation. Another generation. This is the generation we're living in. And the world makes a big deal about generations. They make such a big deal about generation. They label generations. You know, uh, it started out with it's the boomers. They're called boomers. Now that's, that's, like a, that's a term they use for somebody who doesn't know how to do something on the internet. They said, you're acting like a boomer. You're nothing but a boomer. You know? And that would be me. That would be, I would be a boomer. Not necessarily I wasn't born in the boomer age, but I'm a boomer when it comes to technology sometimes. Then they have the names of Generation X, and then they're called, they, got, and they label them. Sometimes they'll label them millennials. Sometimes they're Generation Y. Sometimes they're Generation X. And now they're going and they're calling them Generation Z. So you have Generation X, Y, Z. When I was being raised... That's what my aunt would tell me when I left my zipper undone. X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z. Does anybody's family do that to you? And that would tell you you need to zip your zipper. You left your zipper undone. Here's a, here's a cute story to make you wonder why my wife married me. The first time my wife uh, took me to meet her mom, uh, we met at Prima Pasta, and I went to meet her mom with my zipper down. <laughs> the whole time my zipper was down. And then after it's all said and done, she said, my mom said your zipper's down. I looked down like, oh. Now you know why my in-laws don't have much to do with me. <laughs> XYZ, Generation XYZ. They have all these. But really, honestly, the label, that, the, the label that should be put on this generation is Bible-rejecting, God-denying, Christ-hating, Bible, scared of the Bible generation. That's what, but we're going to make that simple. And that's too long a term for me to use. So I'm just going from this point on in this sermon, I'm going to call this the generation viper. Generation of vipers. The generation viper. I want to define this generation that, that you and I are living in. Let's look at this generation. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. 
Yeah, they got all kinds of different names for this. For different, they call it the Pepsi. Even the even commercials, the Pepsi generation. You know, we were the Pepsi generation. Uh, they try to label you when you were born. That's a generation. But the really, honestly, the Bible has a lot to say about generations. And it says there that there's a generation that came up after Joshua and the elders. They didn't know the Lord. And that's what I feel about this generation. They're not in church. The majority of this generation is not in church. They don't care about godly things. They don't care about spiritual things. And they're not in church. They don't have anything to do with God. And this is the result of that. The, the, the society we're living in today in America is the result of a generation that doesn't care about God and has forgotten about God. There's a lot of the generation that wasn't my generation that, that was before me that went through World War II that loved God. Because there was a lot of prayers for loved ones going over to World War II. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of attitude that, that God helped us get through this. God helped us destroy Hitler. God helped us destroy uh, the, the enemy of Japan and to beat this back. And that God had helped us. And they had this spiritual aspect to it. And then you had the, the, the aspect of so many people's relatives dying in the war. So when they came back... There was a lot, people were talking about spiritual, spiritual things. A lot of people were searching God, searching for answers, and they should. And it shouldn't, I hope it doesn't take God doing that to this generation for them to wake up and turn back to Him. But looking at Proverbs chapter 30, look at verse 11. Here's what the Proverbs say about this generation. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Amen. I mean, I don't have to go very far there to, know, to, to tell you. You know exactly what generation that is. The, pro, the, the Proverbs tells us there's a generation. Well, that's this generation. If you don't believe me, go out to Walmart or go to any department store and see how the kids treat their parents. I've never seen in, day, I've never seen in my life the way, no. I've seen kids' parents like, come on, look, come here, little Johnny, let's go. No. I want this. And then just throw themselves on the floor and start screaming and hollering and everything. And I'm like, woo-wee, somebody's wanting a belt. That's what somebody wants. Yeah. I tell you what, if I'd done that to my mom, she'd have slapped me from here all the way home. Amen. And I would have deserved it. Uh, and, and the way I see kids talk to their parents and uh, uh, call their parents by their first names and just weird. Now, you might let your kids do that, but I would have never done that. If I called my mom by her first name, she would have slapped me. You say, man, your mom sounds like she needed to have CPS called on her. She probably did. But, you know, if you raised a little monster like me, you'd understand why she did the things she had to do. <laughs> I was a monster. I was a heathen. I needed the belt a lot more than I got it. And I think about the way I talked to my mom. One time, I, uh, my mom made me mad about something. There's no telling. You know, I was a little, I was a little angry heathen. And I, I called my mom a bad name. And she got mad at me, which she should have. And she picked up a broom, and she started chasing me through the house. Well, my mom was a little bitty tiny woman, a little Irish woman. And she was a little tiny Irish woman. And she's chasing me through the house. Well, you know, I was pretty tall for my age and pretty fast. And I, I, I ran from her pretty good. And I'll never forget, she chased me through the house, and, I, and, and we, we, had a, a be, in the, we were living in a little small house, and I, the, in the living room was the bedroom. So we had this big bed in, in the living room, and my mom chased me, and I jumped on the bed, and she swung that broom and missed me, and I rolled over there. It's like an Indiana Jones or something. I rolled off that bed, she slapped that broom down and missed me, and I got to laughing because I thought it was funny. So she comes around to the other side. Man, her face is so beat red, and she's going to kill me with that broom. And she swings that broom down, and I roll again. I roll over onto the other side. And that gets me to laughing even harder. So I glance over there, and I see the front door. 
And I said, oh, yeah, exit stage left. Time for me to get out of here. So I run over there, and I hit that front door, and it was locked. And about that time, I turn, and she lays into me with that broom. Whack, 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 whack. Whack. I didn't realize a broom could be classified as a deadly weapon. But if y'all don't know that, it can be. It can be. A broom can be classified as a de deadly weapon. And I had it coming. That's my generation. I should have never said what I said to my mom. I had it coming to me. There is a generation that curseth their father and does not bless their mother. That's this generation. Verse 12, there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Amen. I've never seen a bunch of more holier-than-thou, self-righteous group of kids and young adults in my entire life. I've never seen a bunch of self-righteous, sanctimonious, they think they're holier than everybody else, and they've got it all figured out. But, I, I mean, I thought, I, thought, I, I thought I grew up around a bunch of holier-than-thou teenagers. But this generation is crazy. They're absolutely crazy. Say, so what, what makes you think they're crazier than your generation? Well, we didn't go out in the streets with clubs and mask on and beat people up because we didn't agree with them. That's what's going on in Seattle, in Portland. All over this country, people don't like something, so the kids, they get together and they grab clubs and they run out there and they have these black masks on because they're too chicken for somebody to know who they are. They're cowards. These cowards, and they call themselves the anti, uh, anti uh, what do they call themselves? Uh, Antifa, yeah. They're against the anti a fascist, and they run out there with their mask, get the black hood, and they go out there, and they're beating up poor journalists, or beating up somebody they don't agree with, and I'm not saying the guy that, that, that is getting beat up is not saying something, uh, maybe he said something wrong, but he said it, he didn't do anything, we're supposed to live in a country where we have free speech, but they're so holier than thou, they're going to go on some kind of holy crusade, Amen. that's exactly what they're doing, and I see them get on there, and they beat, and they swing, and they throw stuff out, and they throw bricks at people. And, I mean, they had this one journalist that almost killed him. And uh, he was a gay journalist. This guy was just a gay journalist that was uh, conservative. He was kind of conservative-leaning, and they tried to kill him through milk, uh, milkshakes with, with bricks in them and all kinds of stuff with this guy, bleeding everywhere. And I was watching some of those videos. And I get angry when I watch this stuff. I have to watch myself. I don't want to preach too much on it because I'll get angry and say something I shouldn't say. But it gets me angry to see them doing that. They better never do that down here in Texas. It won't last. Too many people with guns down here do something like that down here in Texas. But they act like that. And I was watching one video, and they were beating this guy in the head. And this one kid comes over there, and he's like this. <laughs> and I'm like, that kid, he swings. Don't take this wrong, women. He swings like a girl, for one thing. He, could, he, looks, he looks like he's soft as a pretzel. And he's trying to hit this guy in the head. I'm like, I'm thinking, if I'm ever attacked by a group of these black weirdos, these black uh, clothed weirdo uh, Antifa guys, I hope it's one of a group of guys like this guy that can't swing a club, you know. Because he's like, uh, uh, you know, like he can't, it's, it's breaking his, I'm thinking, this is a kid that's picked last in gym class. <laughs> that's the kid I want that attacks me. But that's the generation we're living in. They think they're so right that they're going to go out, they're going to beat somebody up over their viewpoints. Because they don't agree with them. That's the generation we're living in. That's the generation that the Bible's talking about. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes. They're pure in their own eyes. There's nothing wrong with us. And yet, is not washed from their filthiness. Amen. 
Look at Proverbs 30, 13. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Self-righteousness. I'm better than you. I know more than you. I've I got it all figured out. That's that generation. Verse 14, there's a generation. Here's some more, some more def, def, this, these are definitions of what this generation's like, the generation viper. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. They'll do anything to anybody to get ahead. It's all about money. It's not about morals. It's not about doing the right thing. We have women. I, I, I can't believe that we're living in a country where we have grown women that stand up and they say, I'm glad, I'm thankful that I had an abortion, that I killed my baby so I can continue my acting career and I could get this Academy Award. I'm so thankful for it. They'll do anybody, kill anybody. They'll kill their own child to get rich. They're, they're piranhas that are eating each other up. And when, when, other, when one of their own says something they don't agree with, they turn on each other like piranhas. It's the most amazing thing. You'll have some crazy liberal. And, and don't take me wrong, but that they're crazy liberals. When you say liberal, crazy goes with it. So they're crazy liberals. And when they say something... Here come, here's these other crazy liberals, and they're all agreeing with what they're saying. And then this one crazy liberal, he says something that's not agreeing with what this other crazy liberal says. So they like piranhas, they go in and just attack this crazy liberal till they go on, onto the internet and say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And they're all just crazy. They're just like this verse says right here. What does this verse say? There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. They're just chewing each other up. And they'll do anything to get rich. Anything. It don't matter what they kill, what they do, what morals they have to... There's no morals. It's all about what can I do to get that car I want, get that house I want, get that, that stardom I want, get that attention, get that fame I want. They'll do anything, sacrifice anything. Turn to, turn to Proverbs 27. Turn back a couple of pages to verse, chapter 27, verse 24. Proverbs 27, verse 24. This generation... This generation, there is a generation. Look at this verse 24. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. See, that's something they don't understand. Is that uh, they're all, it's, uh, they think, they think I, I want to get rich, and, and getting rich is all, what it's all about, but riches don't endure forever. You can say, well, you might be born a billionaire, and you might die a billionaire. Yes, that's right. But this life isn't forever. That's why you try to get into their thick heads. What, what you're looking at physically is not forever. We're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about there's an answer to God you're going to have to give. And this generation doesn't understand it. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure for every generation. See, they say, let the good times roll. And I've heard it so many times. Let the good times roll. We're, we're on a roll. Let the good times roll. But you know what I know about life? As soon as you get the good times are rolling, the bad times start rolling in. <laughs> and when they roll in, guys, the, the bad times roll in like a steamroller. And, man, they just roll you over. What are you going to do then? You're going to have to turn to God. You're going to have to turn to Jesus Christ. 
this generation doesn't understand that. I think it's all about riches, that riches will make me happy. Riches is what's going to make my life happy. Riches is what's going to bring me to it. Then why are so many rich people committing suicide? We're living in the richest country in the world, and we have more suicides per capita than anybody in the world. Why? You go to poor, you know in Ethiopia, they don't have people committing suicide over in Ethiopia? That, does that surprise you? These poor countries, third world countries don't have a suicide problem. It's the people like us. It's, it's the rich countries. That have su- Why is that? Because you get to a point where you think it's all about riches. You think it's all about me being happy. It's all about, it's all about entertainment. It's all about, and it's, life is not that. Life is not about letting the good times roll. Life is not about letting the good times roll. Life is washing the dishes sometimes. Life is taking out the trash. Life is getting in an argument with your wife or your spouse. Life is going to work and not liking your job. That's life. But what do you do with that? That's real life. Well, what do you do with that? Well, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I, that's not what my life is. It's bad job, bad relationship. My, my life is Jesus Christ. That's how you can get through it. Speaking of Jesus Christ, let's turn to Matthew 11. Let's see what Jesus Christ, because he had a lot to say about this. Matthew chapter 11, see what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, had to say about generations, about the generation. He had a lot to say about it. So now we've defined the generation. We've defined this generation. Let's turn to Jesus Christ and let him describe a generation just like our own. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 16. This is it. This is it right here. Jesus Christ is going to describe to us this generation you and I are living in. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. But whereunto shall I, this is Jesus Christ speaking, whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath the devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber and a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Now what Jesus Christ is talking about is, he's talking about a generation there in verse 17 that wants you to think like they think, wants you to talk like they talk, wants you to do the things they want you to do. See that in verse 17? Let's look at that again. For saying, and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We piped, now dance. Oh, I don't feel like dancing, but we piped. I played the song, now start dancing. Uh, I'm not in the mood to dance. Well, we piped, now dance. Do it. I've, you're supposed to do it. We mourned, and you have not lamented. Hey, I, I, I don't like that. So you don't like that. Well, I'm okay with that. That don't bother me. Yeah, but it bothers me, so it should bother you. Uh, no, I mean, I'm okay with it. No, I've mourned. You lament. <laughs> hey, I'm happy. I'm singing a song. You should be dancing. Well, I'm not happy about that. That doesn't make me happy. As a matter of fact, uh, that makes me kind of sick in my stomach, and I'm kind of uh, not happy about it. Yeah, but I, I piped. I sang the song. I'm happy living this way. Now, you be happy, too. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, but you got to (laughs) be. That's the generation Jesus Christ is describing right there. And saying, we are piped unto you and you have not danced. And we have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. 
That's the generation we're living in. You better think like we think. You better talk like we talk. You better act like we act or else. Why are you not talking like we talk? You know, and I, man, there's nothing I, I can't say more. You know we don't like those kind of words. You know we don't talk like that. That's, what the, that's the kind of stuff they like to say. You know we don't like to hear those certain words. We've told you we don't talk like that. We've told you we don't act like that. We've told you we don't think like that. They want you to talk like them, act like them, and think like them. That's not liberty. That's not liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. And when you see a country and a generation that says, hey, don't talk like that. We don't talk like that. You don't talk like that. We don't think like that. You don't think like that. When you see a generation like that, what you see is a lack of liberty. No freedom. No grace. No liberty. And if there's one thing you see in America when the Christians were running this country, and they're not running it anymore, when the Christians were running this country, and this country was a strong Christian nation, what you know about America that, that separates America from all the other countries in the world was a simple word. Liberty! Liberty to say what you want to say, do what you want to do, live like you want to live. That's why they're living like that. And we let them live like that. Because we believe in Liberty. But now that they're getting up and they're getting, there's more of them and more of them living like that, now they turn and say, okay, you can't live like you want to live. You can't think like you want to think. You can't talk like you want to talk. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobia. You're a hate monger. I, I, I don't want to dance. I know you're singing over there, but I don't feel like dancing about that. We don't like that. That makes us mad. You should be mad. That doesn't make me mad. As a matter of fact, when I hear that, that makes me happy. We don't want to hear Jesus Christ. Well, I like the, the name of Jesus Christ. We pot and you didn't dance. We mourn and you didn't lament. That's this generation. Amen. It's a lack of liberty. And they don't even realize it. They don't even realize what they're doing. And Jesus Christ is warning them about that. Look at Matthew 12. Jesus Christ goes on in Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 34. He goes on again to talk about this generation. And this is where I got the title of my sermon. Here's the title of my sermon right here. Jesus Christ, give it to us right there. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Here's the title of my sermon. Generation of viper. Generation viper. Look at verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers. Jesus is so sweet. He's so sweet. You know, Jesus Christ couldn't be online. He'd be kicked off. Facebook would ban him. Twitter would ban him. YouTube would ban him. They'd all ban him. They couldn't have taken him. Because he's, 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 he's speaking hate speech. That's oxymoron. You can't have liberty of speech, freedom of speech, and have hate speech. That doesn't go together. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't listen to me. I have to listen to what you say I don't like. <laughs> So you can listen to what I say that you don't like. But that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a generation of vipers. A generation of vipers. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Generation of vipers. What's a viper? A viper, of course, is a snake. You know what a viper likes to try to do? It wants to kill you with its mouth. 
Jesus Christ said, you're a generation of vipers. Amen. You're trying to kill people with your mouth. He goes on to say, why? Because how can you being evil speak good things? I shouldn't expect you to say anything good because you're evil. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's speaking. You know, I know why so many people are messed up in this country. Because you can go online and see what they're talking about. You can stand in the grocery store and hear what they're talking about. You can look in the paper and see what they're talking about. Their heart's evil. Amen. If they're not talking about God, their heart's evil. How can they talk about God and the church and Jesus Christ and the Lord when they've got all this evil in their heart? You can't do it. What's, what's the solution, Brother Keegan? You've got to get Jesus Christ in your heart. You've got to be full of the Lord. You've got to get the Lord in your heart. You've got to you do things for the Lord, and you've got to read your Bible and pray to have a mindset of the Lord. You get your heart set on the Lord, and you'll be amazed what will come out of your mouth. You having trouble with cussing? Well, stop listening to things that are, that are cussing at you. That stuff's just going right down into your heart, and it's going to come right back out. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. See, your heart's a treasure chest, and you're, you're, tre you're storing up one way or another. You're either storing up good things, good things, good things. What happens when you store up good things? Then good things come out. But when you're storing up evil things, evil things, you're watching evil things on TV, you're listening to evil music, you're around evil people speaking evil things, you know, it's, going, it's not going to be surprising when evil things come out of your mouth. But this generation is known by Jesus Christ as a generation of vipers. They're out to kill you with their mouth. This just happened last week. The Sweetwater Museum director, did y'all hear about this one? The Sweetwater Museum director. This is a lady that's in charge of a museum. She went on social media and she said, I hope every, every single one of you pieces of blank that voted Republican dies today. I th hope every one of you blankety blanks die today. That's a lot of love. Why don't you Christians show love? <laughs> you know, well, uh, I don't think that's a Christian. You're judging me, I'm judging you. Judge not lest you be judged. That's somebody who wants to kill you with their mouth. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. There's never been a bigger lie put out by the devil. Words destroy people. Words are powerful. Words are what you're going to be judged by. You're, in, you're still in the same place? Look at verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word, underline every, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Amen. And I can't speak for the Lord, but I think I can go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and say that in every stupid word you type on Facebook and Twitter, you're going to give account of in the day of judgment. I think I'm going to go ahead and go put that in there. I'm going to say that's you speaking. Every, not some of them, not the bad ones, not the ones you say out in public, every idle word. You're going to be judged by that. That should scare you. Because I've, I've said a lot of dumb stuff in my life. You've got to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. 
How you justify by your words? I'll show you how I was justified by my words with God. I said, I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I need you, Lord Jesus. Will you save me? I'm a wicked, rotten sinner. And I'm coming to you the best way I know how. Lord Jesus, would you save me? God said, you're going to be justified Amen. by those words. I don't need God. I don't need no Jesus Christ. I pulled myself up on my bootstraps. I don't need anything. There is no God. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Amen. See, those words are what's going to get you. And we have a generation of vipers. We're living in generation viper. We have a generation of vipers that people are trying to kill you with their mouth. Amen. And God says, yeah. You hate your brother? That's just like if you murdered him. You might not have murdered him. That lady might not have murdered him, but she wanted to murder him. And in God's heart, I mean, in God's, uh, God's eyes, when that lady put that on there and said, I hope all of you die, he said, you're a murderer. Amen. You know what? I'm thankful for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because that lady did that publicly, but I've done stupid stuff like that in private. I've said stupid stuff like that. Oh, I hope they all die. I've done stupid stuff like that. And sometimes it don't come out. Sometimes I say it inside. In here, I wish they'd all just die. But the Lord knows my heart. Amen. And I'm like, Lord, I, I repent of that. I shouldn't have said that. It's easy to say that. That's the generation we live in. Because that stuff surrounds us. It's everywhere. Look at, uh, look at Matthew 12, verse 39. Same, same chapter, look at verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. See, it's an evil and adulterous generation. Is that the generation we're living in? No doubt about it. The same one Jesus Christ was dealing with. That's just this generation. The generation of vipers. The generation of evil people that are adulterous. They love it that way. And they seek for a sign. That's the generation. Show me. I don't believe in God. If God would show up and he would... If he, God showed up and talked to me, I'd believe in him then. No, if God showed up to talk to you, you'd be burned up to a crisp in his glory. Amen. You couldn't take that. You don't want that. You'd be glad God don't do that. I've heard of stories where people say, I don't believe in God. If God would show me, and then lightning come down and strike him, and you've heard of stories like that. If that was, if that was true, and lightning come down, that's God showing up in a lightning. Amen. Boom. There I am. Oh, well, I didn't know you were going to be a crisp. God's grace, he doesn't show up. Amen. See, he's showing grace by not showing up. And people don't get it. He did show up. He put himself in the man. And that man was Jesus Christ. He proved himself to be the son of God. Through the miracles. Well, what's the sign, Pastor. What's the sign? Give me a sign. There it is right there. And there's no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. What was that? For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the hearts of the earth. In the heart of the earth. Jonas went into the belly of the whale. The whale spit Jonas out. He was resurrected. Jonas, Jonas was resurrected on that beach and said, You better repent. <laughs> Jesus Christ went into three days, three nights in the belly of the, of the earth. Jesus Christ came up. It's time to repent. 
It's a resurrection. You got the sign. The sign is Jesus Christ resurrected. Look at verse 41. He goes on to say this. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. This generation, they look to their musicians, they look to their actors, they look to their professors, they look to their teachers, they look to their politicians, they look to everybody for wisdom. And they say, oh, look at this, please teach me. They look to the side, oh, please teach me this. And a greater than all of those is here, and his name is Jesus Christ. He'd give it all to us. And they've had it for 2,000 years. A greater than all of those greater than Aristotle, greater than Plato, greater than Confucius, greater than Buddha. Who's this greater than? It's Jesus Christ. He's proven it out. And he's greater than all those in one simple fact. He's resurrected. This generation is going to be judged. And they're condemned. And Jesus Christ said they're going to be judged by the people that were looking for somebody like Solomon. And they had Jesus Christ. This generation we're living in is condemned. No doubt about it. The Bible tells us that. So what's our duty to this generation? Let me close by saying, what's our duty to this generation? Well, let me show you real quickly in Psalms, and it won't take me but a couple of minutes. In Psalm 71, the Bible tells us what our duty is. You've got a duty, Christian. It's real easy to, to amen this stuff because, I mean, it's all true. We all see it. We see it on our TV and on the computer. We see it in our daily lives. This generation's a mess. This generation doesn't know what they're doing. This generation is sorry and no good. But we've got a duty because, practically speaking, we are this generation, everyone in this room. You are this generation. And if you weren't a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that would describe you right now. So what's our duty to this generation? We'll look at Psalms chapter 71, verse 18. We've got, we got a duty. Now also, now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not why, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and the, thy power to everyone that is to come. Our duty as Christians is to warn this generation, is to help this generation, is to show the Lord to this generation. We've got a duty to do. And it doesn't matter if you look at verse 18. I am old and gray-headed. It doesn't matter if you're old and gray-headed. You're supposed to keep on keeping on. Can I go so far as to say maybe that's why you're old and gray-headed and not in a grave somewhere? Because you've got a generation to pre preach to, you've got a generation to teach to? God's got a purpose for everyone in this church. He's got a purpose for you. And you can reach people that I could never reach. You could talk to people I could never talk to. They wouldn't listen to me. And there's one thing you could tell them is that the Lord is good. And Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. You can warn them that there's judgment coming. There's all kinds of different things you can teach them. But our duty to this generation is to tell them that Jesus Christ came into this world, died for their sins, 
He was buried and resurrected and he came forth and he's alive again. And he's waiting for you to receive him. And the simple testimony you can give him is the one I just gave you. You can simply say to some people, to this generation, you know what? I can't tell you about this. I can't tell you about that. But Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to me. I heard, I heard an alcoholic talk, talk about the, what they call it, the 12-step program. He said, uh, I didn't do the 12-step program. He said, I did the one-step program. His name was Jesus. Amen. And I thought that's a great testimony. And I'm not, I'm not knocking any kind of programs to help people kick alcohol or drugs. I'm just telling you, the answer is Jesus. Amen. The answer really is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And you say, well, you were sure a heathen. You cussed your mom. You did that. Oh, I, I'm not telling you half of what I did. And I'm not going to. I needed Jesus. And when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, it changed my life. Amen. And I've never been the same. Now, I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm not telling you I'm holy. I, I'm telling you I'm, I'm striving. I'm working. But I know where I'm going to go when I die. Amen. I know I'm a generation that's talked about in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, But ye are a chosen generation. Amen. You are, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. I was in darkness, and praise the Lord, I saw the light. So this generation, they need the light. The light's not me. The light's not you. The light's Jesus Christ. Well, how do they see the light? He's not here. Yes, he is. He's in me, and he's in you if you're a born-again Christian. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying they need to see Jesus Christ in you. How do I let that happen? Well, you got you to get the good in you. Out of abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaketh. You got to get the abundance of Jesus Christ in there. You got to get the preaching. You got to get the Bible reading. You got to get the prayer. You got to get the glory. You got to be singing the praises. You got to get him in there. So when the, the opportune moment, that generation comes up and a generation of vipers shows up and he's trying to kill you with his mouth, you can open up your mouth and tell them about the Lord. Amen. That's our duty. Our, our duty is not to get mad at this generation and let them go to hell. Amen? That's what you want to do, right? You want to let them go to hell, right? I get that way. I see that stuff. I see how they act. And I see the Antifa. And I get so mad, I'm like, they all can go to hell. That's not Christ's attitude. Christ said, love your enemies. Christ wants me to run out there and say, hey, God, let me show you a better way. That way is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Man, we need to give them Jesus. Amen. The world needs Jesus. They don't need somebody, any more haters. They don't need more condemners. They need Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your grace and mercy, Lord. And Father, give us a heart like you have for our enemies. Give us a heart, Lord God, for this generation, Lord God. Father, don't let us sit on the couch, Lord God, or sit back and just wave our hand and say, Law, let them go to hell. Father, help us to see them like you see them, Lord God, as souls that you love. Father, I know if you didn't come down and save me that day when I called out on you, Lord, I'd be going to hell. And I thank you, Father, that somebody had the courage to tell me about Jesus Christ and to offend me about Jesus Christ, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that I didn't receive Jesus Christ the first time I heard it. 
I don't know how long it was, Lord, that I heard the name of Jesus Christ before I took him as my Lord and Savior. Father, for, so Lord, give us the courage, Lord God, and, and give us the strength, the Lord, just to keep on keeping on, Lord. There's people we know, Lord, that hasn't, haven't received Jesus Christ, and we've talked to them and talked to them, Lord. And Father, give us the strength not to give up, Lord, that the next time might be the time that they finally receive Jesus Christ, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that if there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that's doesn't know for sure if they're going to heaven or hell, Lord God, as we give this invitation, Lord. They know, that, they know the gospel. They know that you died for their sins. They know that you're resurrected. You're alive. Lord, that they'll just come down and, and take you as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for the simplicity of salvation in Jesus Christ, Lord. And I do thank you so much, Father, for the liberty, the liberty we have in Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in his blessed name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. 
And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.